Hi, this is Dr. Tom Rogers on Tuesday evening at 5 at 5. It's actually past 5.30, but I had a late patient, so sorry about that. But anyway, we try to do this every Tuesday night. I take five questions from people and just try to answer them to the best of my ability. It's always off the cuff, so I think that's a better way to do it. Um, so I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. We're back at it today. All right, question number one. What are some safe alternatives to Adderall for adult ADHD? Um, that's a good question. As you know, I treat a lot of adult ADHD. And it's very satisfying to treat this for me because it's one of the few things I do besides hormone treatment that people come back to me and say, this has changed my life. As a matter of fact, the last patient I saw today at 515 was a new... Um, ADD patient, adult. And um, anyway, so, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's two classes of medicines that treat ADD. The stimulant medicines like Adderall, Vyvanse, Focalin, Concerta, um, those are all class two drugs, highly regulated, um, but mostly safe. I see very little abuse of it. Um, I really like the Adderall, um, uh, especially out of those, I'll probably use more Adderall than anything. But that's a great question because there are non-stimulant medications for Adderall. One that you may consider looking at is a supplement called L-tyrosine. Now this is a precursor to dopamine. And as you know, Adderall works because it increases your dopamine, that feel-good hormone. And it also helps you pay attention to things. Um, so L-tyrosine, sometimes I even use that supplement along with stimulants like Adderall. I don't like you to take them together. Um, I like you to take Adderall, of course, in the morning and L-tyrosine in the evening. But what L-tyrosine does is kind of replenish the stores of dopamine in your brain that the Adderall kind of uses up during the day. That's how Adderall works. Um, so that's a good supplement. And some people could just take, if they have mild ADD symptoms, just L-tyrosine by itself. You can get it over the counter. Um, Stratera is another non-stimulant um, ADD medicine that we use occasionally. I don't use a ton of it. Um, it kind of is expensive and can cause some nausea. Um, but it is, I do have several people on it. For some people it works pretty well. So you may want to consider Stratera. Um, but uh, another one that's interesting, matter of fact, I had a guy today that um, I refilled it for him. It's, uh, it's called 10X. It's an old-timey blood pressure medicine that I used to use 30 years ago. But they found out that it works for ADD. Um, how it works, they really don't know. But um, I think the generic name is guafacine. But uh, 10X, the blood pressure medicine, they think that it kind of affects receptors in your brain that affect memory and kind of reduce distraction. And that's what ADD is all about, distraction. And anyway, with any medication, like especially with the stimulants, you want to take breaks from them and not use them unless you have them. But if you're struggling with um, a lot of things where you can't finish projects or um, 
you can't pay attention in school or in a new job environment. You have to multitask a lot. We see a lot more ADD than we used to. And a lot of it's because we have to do more. We have more distractions, more media things coming in at us. And we also live in a pretty toxic world. And I think a lot of times diet and I think a lot of toxins can kind of cause more uh, ADD in, in adults than used to be. But it sure seems like we see a lot of it. So think about those uh, alternatives to Adderall. Um, great question. Question number two, if you have chronic pain, uh, which we talked about in the doctor's note today, if you, look, if you read your emails, um, how often can you take a Toradol shot? Is there a protocol? Well, there's no real protocol that I have for it, but Toradol is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. So a lot of times if somebody comes to my office and have a, like a severe migraine or they're trying to pass a kidney stone, if it's post-operative pain, Toradol is a really good drug. Um, you can e even use it IV. You can even use it in a joint or in a muscle through a shot. do that quite often. And it's a pretty cool thing. Actually, we're getting away from using so much cortisone in joints and muscles and using more Toradol. It's a lot safer than cortisol. It doesn't degenerate your disc and, and produce wear and tear on your joints and tendons. So. Uh, Toradol. You can also give it orally. You don't want to give it orally for more than five to seven days for sure because it, it can be pretty hard on your kidney. So always make sure you have good kidney function and follow it. Um, so, you know, I mean, I have some people that get a Toradol shot, you know, once every two to four weeks. Uh, but it's, it's a short-term thing for sure. But it's a great medication, Toradol. It's non-narcotic. Um, and it works, I think, about as well as some of the narcotic medications. All right, question number three. You mentioned in this week's doctor's note that you can take one Tylenol with a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory to make the, the NSAID work better. How often should you do this if the pain persists? Well, chronic pain by nature does persist, so it's very safe to take a Tylenol along with a Motrin or an Aleve or a Naproxen or a Mobic or a Celebrex. So there's nothing at all wrong with that. As a matter of fact, it kind of potentiates the non-steroidal and I think makes it work better. So you may be able to use less doses of your non-steroidal and it, it may work a lot better. So I've got nothing against you using a Tylenol with your non-steroidal for chronic pain. I mean, a lot of people have to take Mobic or Celebrex or even Motrin daily. Um, as long as you keep an eye on your kidney and liver function tests, I think it's okay. Um, and stomach, watch out, it can irritate your stomach. Tylenol won't, but the non can. So, another good question. All right, number four. As an integrated medical doctor, how do you balance putting your patients on medications like Toradol, NSAIDs, etc. with more natural alternatives like CBD oil. When do you decide to use medications versus the natural alternatives? That's a great question. Um, you know, as an MD, but one trained in functional integrated medicine, um, you know, I'm kind of a blend between the best of both worlds. So I do try to figure out why you have that pain in the first place and do I'd rather use alternatives if I can. They're much safer. Like, of course, I like CBD oil. I like curcumin. 
uh, like a lot of the autoimmune diets, I mean, you need to stay away from inflammatory foods like sugars and glutens and dairy, maybe nightshades, corn, soy. So I try to get you on the right diet and maybe get you on a supplement that's a lot safer than traditional NSAIDs or um, certainly uh, opiate pain medications. You know, we, we don't do that. Um, you know, except for a very short period of time, for a day or two, if you come in with a broken leg or something like that, maybe, but um, we discourage their use. Um, not to say that in certain cases they may be useful. So, yeah, I, I like to use the alternative stuff, and then we have at our disposal the medical drugs as well. So, last question. You talk a lot about how great metformin is. Are there any downsides to taking it? Uh, can males and females take it? Of course males and females can both take it. There's no difference there. Um, but I like metformin. It's a great anti-aging drug. It may even work for some chronic pain. It definitely works for weight loss, insulin resistance, PCOS. Um, it's a diabetic medication. Now, it's, it's downsides, it's, it's kind of controversial because they made a bad batch of it out of China um, and it was tainted with some stuff that they said could cause cancer. You had to take a lot of it. And really it was only the extended release form of metformin that, that caused this. They took it off the market. So metformin's, in my opinion, if you have normal kidney function, it's, it's very safe to take. Um, you know, it's certainly, there's a lot of uses for metformin. I know I go to a lot of uh, anti-aging conferences and I can tell you most of the the speakers, if they tell you what they're taking, most of them take a very low-dose metformin. And if you can't tolerate it on your stomach, um, berberine is another good, safe alternative for that that promotes um, insulin sensitivity. Uh, so, so certainly if you're overweight, have hormonal problems, or you're just taking it for better aging, as long as you keep an eye on things, I'm okay with metformin. There's a lot of other things that it may help that I don't want to go into because you can't really make that claim. Um, you know, but um, like cancer prevention, you know, some people think it may predispose you to have um, dementia later on. I've never seen that happen. As a matter of fact, you know, insulin, it really makes your insulin work better. So, and high insulin is called type 3, or type 3 diabetes has been called Alzheimer's disease. So, I don't really worry about that so much. So, on an individual case-by-case -case basis, I certainly would consider using metformin for several different things, but great question. Um, so I, I hope you could hear me. I didn't use my microphone today uh, for some reason, but, but anyway, so great questions. Um, I hope you have a great week. Send in your questions to performancemedicine.net. Um, watch us on all our channels like YouTube, etc. I hope you get my weekly doctor's note. Um, I try to come up with something that's useful for people like, like me that want to stay healthy as we age. So um, I'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.